Welcome to the Alchemy Incubator Podcast. My name is Emily Jamison. I am your host, and I am so delighted that you're here with me today. At the Alchemy Incubator, I love talking about the topic of change. Sometimes that is how we change. Sometimes it's understanding ourselves better so that we can change. And sometimes it is understanding what precipitates change. I'm really excited to have my friend Jane Sproul on the show with me today. Jane is a licensed professional counselor in the state of Oregon. She's been in practice for 14 years and currently is in private practice, and her company is called Sproul Counseling and Consulting. She specializes in treating adults with anxiety, depression, um, transition, life transition issues, ADHD, and other executive functioning problems, and she also treats adults across the lifespan. Uh, She's based out of the Portland area, and her website will be in the show notes in case you feel like reaching out to Jane at some point. Jane and I had a conversation, and it was really about what do we do when we're confronted with the fact that we need a plan B? And I thought that would be some really interesting and valuable content to bring over to the podcast to share with you. Hi, Jane. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Hi, Emily. It's good to be here. I've known Jane for a long time now. I can't, how long has it been? Feels like 12 years. I think it's 12 years. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we met in Portland and we have been, we were fast friends. Um, And I, we were chatting the other day and I wanted to bring this conversation over to the podcast on the topic of being plan B people. I, I love the concept of that. And, um, this is something that Jane talks about with her clients. So tell me a little bit about what it looks like to be a plan B person. (laughs) I think it's when you've made a plan or you found yourself in a, uh, course of action or a life plan Mm -hmm. and then you discover for one reason or another that it's not going the way you wanted um, or it's really just not happening Mm -hmm. and um, we can say all sorts of things to ourselves about what that is and if we're failures or that it's a bad plan but um, some people switch to plan b Mm -hmm. and I see this a lot in people who are around age 27. Ooh. And 26, 27, 28. And mm-hmm. they show up in therapy dejected about their work or their relationships. Mm-hmm. They're um, itchy and uncomfortable. And um, from my own experiences, I tell them this is a really exciting time of life. And Um, things are going to, if you focus on this, things are going to change. You can really launch from this, from this position. I was not expecting you to be quite so precise in naming that age, but I have Mm -hmm. to say that is exactly when I went into therapy. Mm -hmm. I was, I was 26 years old Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. my plan A had not worked out at all. So Mm -hmm. I was a very high achiever in high school and very driven in college. I recognize now that 
that was the main source of affirmation in my life was my academic mm-hmm. achievement. So I put a lot mm-hmm. of energy into trying to keep getting that, you know, mm-hmm. and my plan for my life was to do international development work. I had graduated from college at age 23. I went to Zambia for a year and I lived in a village with no running water and no electricity. And that that really wasn't the hard part. The hard part for me was being in a very remote environment. I was a I didn't fit into the structure of the community as an unmarried 23-year-old white woman working at a Bible college teaching men, married men. Mm-hmm. So I became extremely depressed. I just was falling apart. I was I, I did not know how to how to live in that world where the the thought that I wanted for myself, which then I realized weren't right for me. And then what to do next as a person who had always just set goals and achieved them. And so I went to therapy eventually. Mm-hmm. And I guess I should say at this um, point, I'm probably on like plan G, F or G, you know, in <laughs> so I went to therapy, I processed great. some of the trauma. I realized there was way more there that needed to be looked at. I started working in nonprofits so, and my my way to what I'm doing now has been a winding one. Uh, let me interview you for a second. Okay. What are some of the the um, thoughts you had before as you were considering going to therapy and how did you press mm-hmm. play on that decision? Because I'm for a lot of people it's going back and forth and is this enough to go to therapy? And yes. What if they hold views that I don't hold and Yes. How did you press play? Those are great questions. I was in a place of chronic stress at that time Mm -hmm. in my life. I was really, really fragile. And when people would hear, and I had just moved to Portland at this time, by the way. So I was trying to make friends and people would learn that I had spent a year living in Zambia and they would ask me how that was. And I would start crying and I was embarrassed about that. And I realized I had a lot to unpack there, but also due to the environment in which I had been raised, um, it was not very pro mental health. And this is also like, I think for those of us who came up in the nineties, we weren't really dealing with mental health stuff as openly as we are now. And so that's true. The, the religious environment and how I was raised was just like, well, if you are having problems, you need to pray more. And basically the problem is you. And so to get to the point of where I really recognized that I needed therapy was when I was seeing myself have these really strong adverse reactions and then that happening with people that I barely knew. And it was creating awkward (laughs) times for all of us. Um, my pastor at the time, I think he asked me a question similar and I was, you know, I cried or whatever happened. And he recommended this therapist, um, who I first started seeing, I was really comforted by the fact that when I went on her website, it specifically said that she worked with grief and loss and life transitions. And I knew that those were all real for me. 
because my family had gone through the loss of our home in a house fire when I was 17, and that was not addressed in any sort of proactive way. So I felt that was probably also at play with all of this. Um, I was terrified to go to therapy, very, very, very afraid. And I remember thinking, like, I did not know what was going to happen in this way where I felt like what I had created to protect myself was this little patchwork quilt. And it was not doing the job. And it was tattered and frayed and falling apart. But it was all that I had. And it's interesting how I, like, to personify my ego in that way. And um, I was really scared of having to take that to the therapist and cut it apart and remake something else because I didn't know if Mm. I would survive that. Mm -hmm. But I also knew that I couldn't keep living my life the way that I was. I would drive down the street, like basically expecting to get hit by a car or, you know, Mm. I was like, I don't know what you would call that, but I was like, was like forecasting trauma. Mm -hmm. And um, Mm -hmm. so I had a lot of work to do in therapy for many, many years. And it's been an ongoing relationship, you know, 12 years later, no more than that, um, 14 years later. (laughs) Uh, Thinking about anybody who's never gone to therapy, when you say it's work, this is a leading question, of course, but (laughs) when you say that it's work, it seems like it's effort, but with effort comes relief. Do you yeah. think that's true? Yes. Um, I think that also the relationship between the therapist and the client is the most powerful factor. So mm-hmm. having good rapport with somebody um, made me feel safe to do the work that did require emotional effort because at that time in my life, those were, there were lots of places that needed to be explored that I had worked really, really hard to not explore. So Mm -hmm. um, in being in a, working with a skilled therapist who could take me where I was at and then invite me a little bit deeper each time Um, That was a big part of the relief that did come from exploring and getting to the point of being curious about why, what had happened. And, you know, I, I think that that's, so that's a similar thing that is important to me in my coaching practice is that the person feels safe to be there so that their nervous system can relax a little bit and then we can get into mm-hmm. the heart of the issue. Um, I felt a lot of exhaustion yep. in those early days as I was doing the emotional work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but you were probably exhausted from keeping it in too. It, it was exhaust. It was an exhausting time regardless. I, you <laughs> know, I couldn't keep on avoiding that. So I had to go into it. Um, And I love that Mm -hmm. saying now, it's actually a Zambian proverb that says, to appreciate the beauty of the valley, you must pass through it. And that has given Mm. me a lot of comfort. And I will also say, um, I have collected the treasures along the way from having to traverse Mm. some Mm -hmm. difficult terrain in my life. It's a nice proverb for someone who lives in the Yakima Valley, too. Yes, it is. 
Um, being plan B people, what was your plan A and how did you end up in plan B? Oh, so I trained to be a, a public school teacher. And um, when I was in college, I read a book about um, people who went to be teachers in low socioeconomic schools. And um, I was really inspired by that work and the book describes struggles and also people who didn't get through that experience. So I, I, I like to joke that because I wear glasses and I'm a nice person, people thought, oh, she'll make a nice English teacher. And, um, <laughs> uh, and that's what I did. And sometime in my college experience, I was in a gathering of people and there was a speaker and the speaker asked in a dramatic fashion, who will go and work for the city? And they asked us to stand up. And I said, I, I did. So that was a really meaningful experience. But then I, I'm sure I promptly forgot about it. And um, I went to have my student teaching placement. I was very afraid of making decisions about where to go. Um, I, I was very, very open-ended at that time of my life. So I didn't pick any school to go, to, any district to go to. So they placed me in a very difficult placement. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> huh. And um, so I went to a school in a, like a rust, not quite rust belt city, but um, a, a, like a post-industrial city. It was a very large mm -hmm. high school. And when I got there, my cooperating teacher said, who are you? I didn't know I was getting a student teacher. And um, it turns out my application had sat on an administrator's desk all summer. So nobody so, knew? Um, right. So I, I taught there and, and had a very meaningful, difficult experience. I worked with a wonderful cooperating teacher who, uh, from New York City. And then I went to finished college. I went and had my first job. I was a teacher in a similarly placed school. And, mm -hmm. um, and then I thought it was the problems in the school. And so I went to a suburban school and I discovered I didn't like that either. And, um, and then I left feeling like I was a failure. Uh, and I went to work for a nonprofit and, and then run a program at a university. Um, mm -hmm. But in those years, I didn't, know a couple things about myself that would have been helpful. So I didn't know that I was an introvert, meaning uh, um, that kind of expenditure of energy, mm -hmm. which I call five shows a day, five days a week, mm -hmm. was extremely draining to me. Mm -hmm. And I was working in places that had a lot of conflict mm -hmm. um, and not significant or sufficient guidance yeah. um, for um someone new to the field. Yep. And that was draining. And I internalized that. And I thought to myself, well, surely it's hard for everybody right out of school. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't know that it was a little too hard, exceptionally hard. And um, to remind myself of that, I keep my old boss's business card in my wallet. Mm -hmm. And school is spelled incorrectly on that business card. <gasps> Oh my gosh. So, Can we get any yeah. more Freudian than that, really? Right, right. <laughs> so there were significant structural, institutional, historical <laughs> uh, 
yes, red discriminatory flags. problems in this district. Um, yeah, I'll also say that I worked with some very inspiring people mm-hmm. who, um, who I know on social media and who I, I really deeply respect. But it took me many years to figure out. Like, oh, um, I did good work. I I learned how to be assertive. Um, mm-hmm. I I came to love aspects of the cultures that I was teaching, and I needed something different. So yep. um, fast forward to twenty seven, getting really itchy, itchy in my job, feeling restless. Mm-hmm. I used to joke that I there must be more than this provincial life. I didn't even like mm-hmm. that movie, but um, and then. When I turned 29, I sort of had an existential crisis because I was going to turn 30. Mm-hmm. So I did a bunch of work. I saw a really meaningful, ethical, qualified counselor who said, um, oh, you need to go back to school. And I said, school gives you homework. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to do homework. And it's so long. He wisely said, you're going to be living anyway. <laughs> right. So why not just go? go to school. Yeah. And um, I hemmed and hawed for a year. And then a year later, I was very, I was tired of my work. And I said, I give. So I, I he, he gave me great advice. Go so to you had someone that's in your life. Yeah. Who called out oh, yeah. gifts in you and said, you should go in this direction, or you should consider this direction. Yeah, it was really nice to be known. And he um oh my my assistant is here uh he's an east coaster and he said it's fine with me if you want to complain but if you want to work on some stuff we can do that too yeah and that was bracing Mm. and um and he and he saw some things gave me some direct advice which um i was receptive to and then i followed it yeah and i'm i'm grateful because it worked out so I went to counseling school at 30 and got on with it. Yes. And I think that's been a wonderful fit for you. Let's end mm-hmm. with this question. If you could go back to your 25-year-old or 24-year-old self, what would you tell her? That when you align things um, har- more harmoniously <laughs> to your temperament, you can experience ease. Mm-hmm. Um, and you... you they need to work hard, but the work may not be toil. Correct. That's amazing. That is basically the premise of the Strengths Finder assessment, which I use mm-hmm. in my practice because of that. Because when you can get a better sense of the things that are your natural talents and that fill your cup and then work from there, it's not exactly like mm-hmm. you said, it's not toil. It's work. It's not not work, but it's the right work for you. So it's rewarding mm-hmm. just in the fact of how you're using your brain and your talents. So I'll say one thing about uh, a couple things I know about you, Emily, is that um, you're very observant with people and you have um, a lot of language to describe things that people may not see in themselves. Mm. And, um, and you're, not afraid to name things in a warm way. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is, um, for anybody who's gonna work with you, I think that would just 
be a, a, a wonderful experience. And um, sometimes when you're lost and um, you need some, some structure, some mm -hmm. loving structure, someone to hold the conversation, mm -hmm. and then you need some guidance of mm -hmm. some tangible next steps to take. Mm -hmm. And I think that I know that people can um, have that experience of working with you. I tell young people that work with me that were issued a tent in life. Mm. It's meant to shelter us, but we're not given the poles. So what's oh. meant to shelter us makes it feel like we're being smothered. Mm. And our work is to find some poles to prop it up. Mm -hmm. And yep. I think people could do that with you. Thank you, Jane. I am grateful to You're know welcome. you. Finding <laughs> each other along the path of life has been richly rewarding for me. And I thank you so much for lending some of your wisdom here to this conversation today. I will put Jane's information into the show notes. If you're curious about working with her, she works in the state of Oregon. And telehealth is a big way that she connects with clients there. So that makes her very accessible. And of course, um, if you're curious about coaching with me, uh, Jane and I both work on the spectrum of helping people to clear out things and get moving in the right direction so that they can enjoy a life with more ease, excellence, and enjoyment. And I, um, I would be her client any day, except that I'm friends <laughs> with her. So that takes me out of the running. But if I weren't. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jane. This has been a pleasure. Mm, me too. Thanks, Emily. Thank you so much for joining another episode of the Alchemy Incubator. My name is Emily Jamison. I am a multi-certified trauma-aware coach. I specialize in creating breakthrough coaching experiences for my clients to transform their lives at the deepest layers in as little as six weeks. If that's something that appeals to you, reach out to me. I would love to hear more about how I can help you live the life that you have always dreamed of.